0: I was reading 1 Corinthians the other day, and I was reading chapter 13, and just that love chapter. And Why do I always pause at the verse that says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish things behind me. There's something about that verse that just acknowledges seasons and growth and change and transitions that I love. And I recognize in my life and those around me how over the years we're just different. And there's this call in scripture for us to grow and develop and move from children to men. And I'm sitting with a couple of men I'm sitting with Alan Arnold and Morgan Snyder, and this is Craig McConnell. And we thought it'd be just a, a good conversation to share how we've changed, how we've grown over these last seasons and what we've seen in one another in terms of growth and have a little fun in the process. And I guess, let me throw the question to you two, have you seen growth? Have you changed? Are you a different man now than you were a few years ago?
1: Craig, you posed that question to us a couple of days ago to think on and pray through regarding this podcast. And, and even the way you posed it a couple of days ago was, how have we changed over the decade? Mm-hmm. And it was interesting. I, I had two reactions immediately to it. The first was, I was so excited to be a part of the conversation with you two on this because, in some ways, as my beliefs have developed, it's become the most important question to be asking. And like Dallas says, the most important thing about a person is not what he does, it's who he becomes. Mm-hmm. And I think so often we can lose sight of the Christian life is a constant maturing, a constant growing, as you said, with First Corinthians. And so I was so excited because I've really dedicated my last decade to focus on the process of becoming and becoming good soil. My second reaction was I felt like I'm the least qualified person to answer that question. Yeah. Right. In some ways, I mean, truly, as I was praying about this morning, I thought to do that question justice, you need to bring my wife in the studio, Mm -hmm. my kids in the studio, you know, the men who have been closest to me over the decade and witnessed me in time and and ask them. And so I'm a little sheepish to even dive into it because I don't know that I'm even the one to evaluate
0: that. I had the same reaction, Morgan, when I was sitting down. I thought, I can make observations about you guys. Yes. And then it came to myself I could recount encounters and things with God that seemed life altering but when it came down to summarizing how I'm a different man this decade than last I go, "Oh man, you know, it's others who really need to comment on that." Right. So. Right. So we're willing to offer you some hey uh, feedback, buddy. buddy. You you've been with <laughs> me
1: for 10 years. Oh um, my um, gosh. I'm um, all ears and have permission to edit.
2: Plus, in a soundproof <laughs> booth, we have your wife.
0: Oh, I was kind of joking. <laughs> your neighbors. <laughs> so, Sherry, just hit the red button there and anytime you want. I would be concerned, but I know around smart works. so that, that's way too much planning. Yeah, yeah. But what would you say, Morgan, just from your own perspective?
1: Yeah, you know, it was interesting. As I prayed about, I realized the last decade of my life overlapped with the beginning of the season of having children. Joshua's 10 years old now. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very poignant season of my life to mm-hmm. evaluate. And in some ways, I've come to the reality that a decade really is a good measuring stick in a way. You know, It's a good amount of time where I want to sit back and ask the question, what is the fruit in my life of the gospel that I'm living based on my actions that are revealing these beliefs? And so, you know, when I looked at it, I said, you know what, there are these core areas that I would say have shifted pretty profoundly in some deep places. And the first was intimacy with God. I think that a decade ago, I would have been mostly in the posture of living for God, but not really living like with God. A true union with him, a true life, the term I would use is a secret life. Hmm. What I was looking at now, Craig and Ellen, and realizing, boy— through partnership with God, we've cultivated a secret life, an inner life that is a union that is still a mess and still has so much growth, but it is so different to live from that relationship as this hour-by-hour source of life mm. than just a set of principles and trying to be a good man, but so much of it lives in self-determination. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Morgan, that's great that you said that because one of my observations about you is on that very thing. You say the last decade, but what was the catalyst, the impetus for this change from principles and kind of uh, going after life and trying to apply truths and so on and so forth to this intimacy with God? Mm -hmm. Is it just a natural result of – getting older over time, or were there key events and things? You mentioned marriage, children.
1: Craig, it's a good question. I think most of it, I would say, comes out of pain Mm -hmm. and desire. Right. You know, really for me, it's that transition from the late 20s into the early 30s was the kind of a decade ago, and it was that major shift of going into marriage and young career, young kids you know, where your life matters to other people. And so all of a sudden, in some ways, there's this crucible where I couldn't live as sloppy Mm -hmm. even in my spiritual life. And so it was out of a desperate need for more life. It was almost like out of needing an upgrade, a bigger portion of God. And then it was a decade of, you know, trial and error and Mm -hmm. training and figuring it out, you know, sitting under mentors like Richard Foster and Dallas Willard and Ransom Heart, of course, where... We practice these Mm life-giving disciplines. And so I would say it was out of the pain Mm -hmm. and the longing for more and being honest with, you know, one of the questions you asked me years ago in that process of what do you think your effect is on people? Mm -hmm. And then you kind of segued into the reality that how we relate with others is truly the greatest indicator, the -hmm. most helpful indicator of our spiritual maturity. And it was pretty convicting because I realized publicly to people at a distance, I can have a mostly good effect. And yet Mm -hmm. as you got to the closer circles, I realized the pain, Mm -hmm. my drivenness and my achievement, my focusing on outcomes, the pain it would cause my wife and my kids and my close friends. So that process of being honest with life isn't working. Mm -hmm. I need a bigger gospel and I need more. my heart back
0: yeah one of the things i've seen morgan that was huge and you refer to it under kind of the the general term pain was when your brother lance died there was something about his death and all that threw you into required of you all that that meant to you it felt like Mm -hmm. that was such a a sobering event and there were other painful things that you've shared in other stories in other places that surrounded that time but it seemed like so many of your externals falling apart brought you to I don't know if sobriety is the right word but a turn inward. Yes, that was new Yes, and just a recognition that uh, is successful as your story has been with being class presidents and always looked to as leader, your own personal view of being Atlas and having to bear this weight, that none of that was working. Yes. If I was to account for what have you seen in Morgan's life that's been crucial to his growth, maturity, his walk with Christ, it has been the pain. Yes. That kind of forced you to look inward because outwardly you were doing pretty good and it wasn't good enough. Well said,
1: because the gospel I was living, though it was a productive gospel, it was still deeply rooted out of an orphan spirit and a gospel without sonship, right? And so what you're describing, that suffering and that inward looking caused me to deal with the reality of I'm still trying to be the strongest man in my world, that self-sufficiency is still a god. And the decade was one of saying – Is there an alternative? And that's, you know, the beautiful holy story of becoming a son. And out of the place of sonship, this whole new reality being birthed, right? yeah. And so you're right, Craig. I think from that place of sonship, which has been just the reality of the transformation over the last decade, I even see these other categories that have emerged to really stand out. For example, the category of self-care. I mean, I would say self-care was non-existent 10 years ago. When I had little kids and I was working so hard as an event director at Ransom Heart to come through for so many people, always up, always on, and self-care wasn't a category. I think there was a lot of roots of shame, a lot of roots of self-hatred, and over the decade, as God has allowed me to grow in sonship and to break off that self-hatred and that shame, I've learned... like. Parker Palmer says that self-care is actually never a selfish act. It's simply good stewardship of the Mm. only thing that I have, the gift that I have to bring and offer others. And so it's little shifts externally, but internally, Mm -hmm. it's a radical shift to learn how to care for myself and let God tend to my soul so that I can be well in a way that is more accessible to God and therefore more loving to the people around me.
2: So, Morgan, how does that look, though, when you have two young kids, right? a wife, full-time job? Right. You love to write, so there's writing that you do in addition to that. How do you take care of yourself well and make that a priority and still feel like you can do everything else you need to do in your world?
1: Man, it's a great question. And in that decade, I'm still in it, you know? And, you know, as a recent example... Last night, we had had some friends over and it ended up a great night, but ended up being a later night than we had intended, late to get the kids to bed and that routine. And then it was a pretty rough night with some nightmares and the kids were up and down and up and down. And I wake up, Abigail, she's in between Sherry and I, and I was just going, oh, I just desperately need a little sleep. You know, I need an apartment. And, uh, and uh, No, you don't. Yeah. You know, Okay. <laughs> So I'm still in the throes of it in lots of ways because the beliefs have changed that my heart matters to God. That time is valuable to him. Example of going to bed earlier last night so that I did get more rest Mm -hmm. so I could get up early this morning. And I'm in my basement and I'm praying and I'm worshiping in my little secret place with this little floor heater. And it's like – it's not the hours that I'd love to have, but this morning it was 30 minutes. And then it got cut off because Sherry came down the stairs saying, hey, I need help. I know it's my morning to take the kids to school, but the kids still need help with their spelling. And I was good because I had actually tended to my heart compared to kind of thinking – not believing that there isn't life in that discipline and yes. so just not doing it. Yeah. So, just a little example and carving out time for a workout, you know, later today, that there's so many demands on my time today that that's a little irrational unless you believe right. that getting outdoors on a trail today is essential for a lifestyle that's rooted in intimacy with God. So, those are just a few small examples from today. That's you so know,
0: good. Is today our workout day?
1: I, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is well, today
0: upper body or you, lower you're body? You're wearing your spandex, <laughs> so we better well, work out. I, I, yeah, I'm thinking upper body today. <laughs> Morgan, one of my observations was this is in the same area. I mean, I just affirming what you're saying about self-care. And listeners, you need to be aware of when I see Morgan in flip-flops, I know. I know this is a different man. <laughs> oh, now, My. he wears his flip-flops and the wrong toes, and <laughs> <laughs> he's not totally there yet. But you used to be, Morgan, a man who lived with a drivenness that if the continuum was one to five, you were pretty much at five or close to it all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just stunning that how busy and active and driven you were. And you saw that, and then you intentionally kind of put that at the top of your list of things to take to Christ and just say, Jesus, work here. And you're living at twos and threes consistently in ways that just 10 years ago wasn't even a category.
2: Mm. Well, a great example that I saw you do this with, Morgan, is at the intensive last year. Mm -hmm. And so you're at the intensive. There was a situation that came up with a person there where I felt like, man, as the leader of the intensive, I've got to get Morgan involved in this. Like He would want to know. He may need to be the guy who makes some decision or takes an action. And so I found you. I went up to your cabin. It was late at night. And you were in there with another friend just talking and enjoying a conversation. And I can remember coming up, knocking on the door, short of breath. Morgan, here's what's going on and what should we do and the ball's in your court. What do you want to do? And a driven man or a man who feels like he's the Lone Ranger decision maker would have immediately gotten sucked into that. Yes, Let me solve it. Here, I'll take action. Where's the situation happening? And I loved how you just remained totally calm, Mm -hmm. totally true to who you were. And you just said, I don't really know if this does need my attention it may be it just needs God. You said, why don't we pray and see what God mm-hmm. says? And I remember everything in me was, let's do something. Yes. And you were the calm. You didn't kick it up to a five and become productive. You were the calm in the center of everything that just said, let's pray. Let's ask God. And in that situation, the decision was, yeah, I feel like God's saying, this isn't really me. Yes. But why don't we get this other person to mm-hmm. go talk to them because of their experience? It was an amazing decision because that's just what this other person needed was not you, but was God and this other man that Mm -hmm. we brought in. And I think that just showed a depth and a maturity. I think you would have handled that probably differently 10 years ago. Yes.
1: Yep. But it's so good to get feedback because as you guys are sharing those stories, I'm going, really? Like, really, really? Because something in me – knows it's true, I do see fruit. I feel the life of flip-flops in a way where I was just appalled by guys that would wear them a decade hey, ago. Right? Hey, come but on. I always have a special place for you. <laughs> but honestly, I felt like, Craig, the scale you give one to five, and I always had it pegged at five or six, I feel like, well, maybe I'm at a 4.75 <laughs> now, right? Yeah. Emotionally, internally, you feel like, really, I've grown that much? Because You constantly see where you haven't grown. But the truth is I've grown to a point where I'm so dissatisfied with a five that I can't even get it in that gear as much. So what I just want to say is thank you for the feedback because you need other eyes because it's so easy to be the biggest critic of yourself. And while there's lots to grow in, God has done some things.
0: Yeah. You know what's interesting, Morgan? When you use the term self-care – It's only a person who's driven and kind of high intensity, performance oriented, get it done, much is expected of me, who would view being still, finding God, Hmm. and developing an internal life and Mm -hmm. that secret communion with God. It would only be that person that calls it self care. It's actually just. Walking with God, it's like just spiritual depth and intimacy, isn't it? Do you know what I'm saying? That the driven guy feels like it's selfish, and what place does this have because it doesn't seem productive? Oh, right. What you're saying, I do
1: receive it as true, and just as a intense person, I'm just aware of like how much heroism it takes. (laughs) You know, to like you said, it feels radical. I mean, last night had some friends over and. I know Sherry wants to process after that, but I kind of spent all yeah. my currency, and I just knew I'd be doing it out of striving. And instead, I just said, "Sherry, I'd love to talk about tonight some other time." And instead, fifteen minutes, I made a fire and just sat and just looked at the fire and enjoyed that stillness. Mm-hmm. But you're right, Craig. Mm-hmm. That should be part of simply walking with God. But just to name for a driven person, yes. that yes. there's a severe battle against believing that value. Yeah,
0: yeah. You put into words what I was trying to say is that it's simply caring about your heart, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. And that's the centrality of everything. Yes.
2: Another thing that I saw in you, which I really savored, was when you went on your sabbatical a few mm-hmm. months ago, Before you left, we had a conversation, and I know you love books Mm -hmm. and know you love to read and biographies especially. So we were having a conversation. What are you bringing? You're going to have a couple of weeks away from civilization in a setting where you could devour several books. And when you told me, well, really, the only thing I'm bringing, I feel like God just told me to bring the Bible. Yes. And I'm just going to read through that. Not even going to try to read so many chapters or books, but just take it in. I love that because for a driven, productive guy, even when you're on vacation, there's a temptation to get things done, mm-hmm. check things off a list, mm-hmm. and for you to be not only able to say, I'm not really bringing any book but one, yes, and I may only get through a couple of chapters or a book, that to me was a huge difference in the man maybe you would have been mm. 10 years ago where you would have had 15 books yes. in a backpack right? versus now at peace with. It's not about productivity or getting things done or read. It's just about communing with God and replenishing.
1: Well, and it's still, you know, I just want to name, it's a journey. And he's in there, right? He's in there. But I think what you're saying, Alan, really helps put words to this other core category of how are you changing over the decade. You know, Dallas Ward says that actions follow beliefs 100% of the time. In other words, our actions tell us what we truly believe. So we can say we believe certain things, but our actions reveal belief 100% of the time. And if I look back a decade ago, I think my actions revealed far deeper than I would have wanted to admit. I was concerned about my bank account quite a bit. I was concerned about my title. I was concerned about outcomes and how I'm coming through for people, coming through for my wife, coming through for my kids. But Alan, to contrast that with the sabbatical, I live those productive years and you look at the fruit and to Craig's point in counseling me, there's a lot of destruction in relationship and now I'm watching my kids grow and now I realize what I want is to be present to them. And so this sabbatical, like who gets that? What a gift. I don't want to tank it by those measuring sticks, what I want is to seize the moment. And this moment, it's intimacy with God. It's intimacy with my wife and my kids. You can't get that back. And if God is a generous father, I want to roll the dice and see, is it possible to unplug from technology for several weeks? Is it possible to go back to your first love, the scriptures that are supposed to be an exciting kingdom story that we're swept up into and? So often we just treat it like it's a chore, and I didn't know the answers to that, but I wanted to roll the dice and try it on so there was enough shift of the beliefs to have enough of the actions to say, I want to give this a try. So I do think just naming, there has been the shift in the decade of moving from, as a man, all these other things having my report card to kind of extracting it increasingly and giving that to God Mm
0: -hmm. the Father. That's good. Yeah. Morgan, what else do you have to that question? How have you changed this decade?
1: You know, one big category that came up was joy and Mm. play. I mean, when I look back a decade ago, I was accomplishing a lot for God and doing good things, but I was not a joyful person. I mean, just contrast. So this morning, you know, I'm tired because of last night, getting in some time with God, but then Sherry kind of interrupts it and asks for my help, and now I'm in the kitchen on her turf, doing spelling words with my kids. But I ended up like making it a really playful game. And I'm cracking up the kids and my wife with these sentences on these spelling words. And Sherry just turned to me and she said, you're funny and I love being with you. And I actually was caught off guard because I didn't feel funny. I felt like kind of irritated for doing it, but I wasn't trying to manufacture something. Yeah. I was actually being the person that I felt mm-hmm. inside. And I realized... I've become a more joyful person. Mm -hmm. I pursue joy. I seek joy, try to arrange for joy, try to bring joy to friends. And that is just a new category to value it, to value joy, to value play as essential elements to the Christian life. And its fruit is just so profound, Mm -hmm. particularly in my marriage. Mm -hmm. But I was not a playful person. I was not a joyful person. Mm -hmm. And now that's another big category.
0: So – if I brought my fart machine to the Christmas Eve oh dinner, God, you would enter in a little more than you did 12 years ago. Let's
1: be honest. That was one of the highlights <laughs> of your life as a prankster that night. Okay. I got to tell the story. Christmas Eve, Craig shows up at my house with
0: his grown daughter. I was invited. What do you mean shows oh, okay. up? Okay. Tell we the story out. right.
1: Well, whose story is it? Yeah, well, I will okay. see. Okay. <laughs> So Craig shows up. His daughters are looking lovely. My wife is there and Craig's wife is there. And we're circled around welcoming them to the magic of Christmas. Mm.
0: When? Well, I took a few moments in the uh, beginning to place a fart machine strategically in your area <laughs> and waiting for the right moment. And the right moment was after the Christmas carols and the profound telling of the Christmas story and just the deep joy being together and celebrating this magical moment, I hit the remote on the <laughs> fart machine. And can I share your response? Oh,
1: you bet, because I would never seen a fart machine, wasn't aware it was planted this in my house. This is the
0: unplayful Morgan of many years ago. So <laughs> I hit the fart machine and it does what it does. And Morgan... <laughs> immediately throws Sherry under the bus saying, that wasn't me. It was Sherry.
1: <laughs> We're in this holy circle and someone rips this big ass fart like right next to me. And I look at my wife and I know it wasn't me. Everyone's
0: looking at me. Everyone's
1: looking at me and I'm looking at her going, what'd you just do? <laughs> I just,
0: well, I was blown away. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah. So you're a
1: different man. You'd Uh, enter in. Oh, my goodness. Well, now we have our own fart machine. We take it with us on every family trip. But a great example where, yeah, it's perfect, Greg. We're now on the bear of the fart machine. But there is so much joy to be had. We fight battles, and it is epic, and there's a heroic role, and there are casualties left and right. And like you alluded to, Craig, with my brother and others this decade, no doubt there are casualties. But the joy of God is our strength, and in this decade, I'm actually beginning to believe it and live it and bask in the fruit of it.
2: Mm. Morgan, good. talk about when you look ahead, if this is the beginning for you of the next 10 years, yes. do you have a hint at some of the things God is stirring in you, some of the new frontier for the decade that's coming?
1: One way to approach that question, I think this decade... More than any time in my life, has created the worldview at the core of my belief system that I've become a lifetime disciple. And so I am committed to becoming an apprentice of Jesus, you know, as Dallas yeah. is learning to live as he would live if he were living my life. Yeah. So I would say I have been baptized into, I'm a lifetime student. I want to continue to be apprenticed in how to live. In the kingdom of God. In some ways, I feel like a freshman in college in that category, but I'm not in high school anymore. You know, there's something of I've graduated from some basics, but it feels like mostly frontier. It doesn't feel like mostly I've arrived, it feels like mostly it's ahead of me. But the biggest transition for me, I've been very intentional over the last 16 years to be in this season of choosing to take the lower seat, choosing training, choosing character right. over building my own kingdom. And it really feels like God, for other conversations at another time, has really promoting me and moving me in a pretty distinct way into this next phase of kingship mm-hmm. and leadership. And in some ways, I can validate that it's true because for the first time in my life, I don't want it. and I'm not looking for it and I feel the dread in a way, I'd rather have happy little life because now my marriage is better than ever and my life with my children are better Mm. than ever and I have a rhythm that's better than ever. Mm. And I'd like to keep it this way, but God's always Mm. upgrading the challenges. You know, he gives us a promotion and so that we are required to upgrade our experience of him. And so I would say I'm kind of on the, The front end of this intentional role of king as a metaphor for my masculine journey. But at the same time, I am fiercely committed to a lifetime of being an apprentice.
0: Those are good observations, Morgan. I'd like to add a couple that I've seen. Though you're some form of an introvert, I've really seen you courageously choose to move towards people and love well. I Mm. mean, I think – You have grown enormously as a lover. Hmm. You love others. You move towards others. You sacrifice time that you could be efficient and effective and productive to (laughs) hear someone's story of their son's basketball championship game Hmm. when you could be getting other things done. So I've really seen you move in the direction of loving others well and strongly being present, engaged. Another category I'd say that I've seen in you is you have a gift as a teacher that is really showing itself, and God is shaping it, developing it. You're still young in it, but such an open and teachable heart, it's just going to be fun to see the teacher and the man that you are in 10 years that you're becoming now it's actually pretty remarkable because 12 years ago, I remember us doing a online doctrinal test where you answer questions <laughs> and the uh, – I think it was BeliefNet or something. spits back what your answer to those questions exposed is you it, as being.
1: This is referring to when you were discipling me in that theology program.
0: This is when I realized you needed discipling <laughs> But I'll never forget, and I've milked it since that, that <laughs> you answer those questions as a young follower of Christ, and you came out Jehovah's Witness so like... and <laughs> Hey, there were some trick questions yeah, in there. Yeah, is Jesus God? <laughs> <laughs> is Joseph Smith part oh, yeah. of the Trinity? <laughs> but seriously, Morgan, you've got a gift that is just starting to blossom, and— That's a big change. You've gone from a sergeant to now a major. And as you alluded to, as you spoke, that you're becoming – you are a king. And you have the gifts that a king needs to be a good king. And it's just – you're a different man. And in fact, listeners, if you want to know how different he is, you need to go to the Band of Brothers video and just look at us. That was, what, 12 years ago? Oh, my goodness. I look at you and I go, who's Sasquatch? Who is that sitting on the couch? Oh, my goodness. Another lifetime. Yeah. When we look at that now, how do you feel? It's like, oh, my. Right. You realize there was a lot of water under the bridge. Is that only 10 years ago? Oh, my goodness.
1: It's hopeful. It's hopeful to see how much God does in a season. And, Craig, I really really appreciate those words. Mm. I take them to heart. I need them. Mm -hmm. And they're like food, so thank you. And I think even in closing, to react to that is while I do receive all that is true, I'm just aware in this conversation of how much I still want to grow and mature, all the not yet. When you posed the question of how have you changed, I found myself asking also the question of where do I feel sadness Mm -hmm. and disappointment over how I haven't. Mm. And it took me to this teaching under Dallas Willard, and he suggested that if you had to describe in one word what you felt around Jesus in his presence, Hmm. what word would it be? And he used the word relaxed. Hmm. And that word has really penetrated my soul because in all the positive things we've talked about in this really precious time for me in my story and my growth— I think when people experience me, they experience lots of good things a lot of the time, and yet the word relaxed, I think, would be rarely associated with me, at least not to the degree that I long to be, and so I receive all that you guys have shared with me this morning to encourage me, and then I also, I just choose to land in the place of, I want more, I want more, I want to be a more whole man a decade from now, and I look forward to getting back in the studio and having that conversation.
0: So good. Well put. Well put. This has been the Ransom Heart Podcast. Just enjoyed being with you guys, Alan and Morgan. We're signing off now and hope that you continue to listen and that these podcasts, as well as all the other resources of Ransom Heart, just really encourage and stimulate your love for God, your passion for Him, your desire to grow walk with him. And to get a good overview of all that we have, go to ransomheart.com. Check it out. We've got things that will really help you, encourage you in your walk with Christ.